to another episode of Lawyer Lifter Podcast, and this is going to be a different one. Uh, Lately, I have been asked questions from would-be law students, would-be attorneys, and I have here today um, one of my very own here at Uplift Law, Amy Lamb, who is my intern and certified law student. She's going to be starting her third and last year of law school and on to taking the California bar exam. So she will be here interviewing me as to the perspective of a law student and someone who is actually going to be on their way to becoming an attorney. Hi, Mel. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome, Amy. This is like a break from our typical crazy Monday morning. Thanks, Mel. Yeah, I really love to get started on these questions. So first off, What is a typical day or or work week like for you as a lawyer? So I think that we have to distinguish what it's like to be a new lawyer versus what it's like to be mid-lawyer versus old lawyer versus lawyer business owner. So back in the day when I was a young attorney, it was um, like slave work and also just uh, essentially not only trying to catch up every Monday morning, but also making yourself available to the partners and owners or whatever law firm uh, you were a part of. So a lot of what new lawyers don't realize is that the typical um, like foundation of a law firm is that the associate is completely at the bottom and the junior associate and you have to you're just abused (laughs) because you there's a very little guidance from the owners or the senior uh, attorneys and a lot of it is you trying to figure out the practice of law, you trying to submit work timely or early, and then also you trying to not waste firm time because of your learning curve. So essentially what a work week for a new lawyer, you should expect that any law firm you submit to, whether it's big law, mid law or boutique, you're gonna be probably per work week pumping like easy 60 to 70 billable hours. And what's it like for you now, now that you own your own law firm and you are the head of your law firm? Um, It's like a constant nausea and suppression of vomit. Um, the, whereas I just explained that I, you know, as a young lawyer, you can expect that amount of time, um, when owning your law firm, it is the most, uh, it's so scary, but it's also most rewarding. Um, there's a lot of different hats that I have to wear and, uh, that is go getting the client hat. Um, leading the team hat, um, sharpening my skills still hat. And that's something that is kind of uh, atypical among owners of law firms where they sort of take a back seat with their skill set and they um, they go ahead and abdicate a lot of the uh, complicated uh, litigation to the attorneys in their firm. I still want to keep my skills up. And um, so what it's like it's just a constant spill into various things all the time so um i'm constantly on the firm 24 7. 
but I will say that I have flexible time in the sense that I can just go and train powerlifting for two hours. But at the same time, if I'm there training, I'm checking my phone, I'm still conversing with you guys, as you know, Amy, and then everyone will be like, hey, at the at SoCal powerlifting, where I train out of, they're like, hey, Mel, you done for the day? And it's like, well, no, I'm actually leaving to go back to, to work. So <laughs> that is a typical, I think, Mel day, work week, month. And I know that Uplift Law is a business and employment law firm. Is that something that you first started when you became a lawyer? Um, it was all by accident because I think the concept of Uplift Law was always in my heart in the sense that I wanted very desperately to be a public defender and I dedicated three years of um externship with the Orange County Public Defender's Office in the felony panel. Um, and that the concept of a little guy versus a Goliath was always something that resonated with me since I was a kid. Um, just by virtue of even my stature, I'm a small girl, a woman, <laughs> uh, and you know, I'm a minority. I have a big personality. I've always rallied behind um, the the little guy, the uh, David versus the Goliath. So um, when the recession occurred right out of um, me graduating in 2010 um, from law school, there were no positions available in the public sector. And so my first law firm gig um, it just so happened. I mean, as a graduating, as someone who graduated someone about to take the bar, I mean, you have a clean slate, like your ledger is clean. So you really don't know um, what it is you're going to get into until you get into it. And so it just so happened um, that this owner was pumping out um, business and employment. And so from the get go, I learned all kinds of business litigation from contractors to torts, which is just like um, fraud, negligence to employment, plaintiff employment. So I've been sharpening my skills from the get go when it comes to business and employment. But what was uh, magical about this first law firm experience was that she was only taking um, small business owners, um, play, it was like, Lot little plaintiff employment cases, so that's um, that's how really um, uplift law comes into its practice now. Is that from my very beginnings, I've been doing uh, this David versus Goliath, and it's just honed in on business and employment. So, as a law student, people always ask me, "What kind of law do you want to get into?" but it sounds like you just landed into the type of law that you got into. Um, I think that I, in general, and I don't want anybody to be like, this is the way that I do it. I'm a, I'm a romantic person. I'm the, just that's my background because I double majored in political science and English literature. So um, I knew from the very beginning, not necessarily which practices, but what I wanted to do 
uh, as a tool for society, I wanted very much to make a difference. So I think when I, what advice I give to law students who are aspiring to continue on, because just because you're in law school, that means nothing as to whether you're going to even practice or how long you're going to practice. I can't tell you how many of my comrades in law school no longer practice or they've quit, um, you know, in their fifth or sixth year of uh, practicing or they're doing something else. And I will say that the glue that keeps you going is the your feelings, however mushy that sounds. It's like, so if you think, which type of law do you want to do? Think about why in the hell you're even trying to be a lawyer. Is it for, you really love big corporation? You love it? Like you like the facelessness? I'm, I'm being very sarcastic, but I've got some colleagues. I mean, I talk to defense attorneys all the time and they've been in practice uh, defending big corporations for for years, they love it. Uh, if that's like your calling, then go do it. Now, if you feel like, hey, I want to make a difference, I literally know that it's a fool's dream to say that one person can change the world. I knew that. But how was I going to change little by little so that I had purpose in the morning and all of my stress wasn't for naught? Um, so if it's with defending criminals or alleged criminals, if it is rallying behind um, fathers in family law, like paternity um, representation, if it's any of that, then that, that's what I would say. It's like, what, what do you want to do now? And then figure out, all right, so if I want to represent this type of person and I want to make this kind of change, what practice would be suitable for that? And so for me, um, it was always small business. And when you wanted to represent small businesses, if you wanted to work in say big law, does the law school that you attend matter? Does it have an, an effect on your overall career? No, so loss, where you go to law school makes zero. Uh, difference with the success that you will have as an attorney or like and professionally, unless you are trying to be um, the attorney for Coca-Cola, like you want, <laughs> like so that they would only employ, um, you know, Princeton Law or whatever like that. If you if you are thinking, hey, you know, I, I want to be one of those like um, Shark Tank attorneys or whatever, then. I would say law school matters. But when you're talking about just generally like getting into a law firm or whatever, a law school does not matter. Um, as an employer, I don't care where you went to law school. What I care about is um, really, are you boring? Like, <laughs> like I will know probably when it, within two to three minutes if uh, you are worth my time. And I will look at certain indicators like um, what, what have you been doing in your education, not necessarily what those institutions are, but why did you choose what your degree? Also, how many times did it take you to pass the bar exam? The bar exam to me is a true, is a very good um, indicator to me. It's a true indicator 
of your ability to practice uh, law. And so I um, would only take attorneys who would pass the bar, who have passed the bar the first time here in California. And um, so, no, where you went to school doesn't matter. How you show up in life, and if you can articulate that, that matters to me. And I, it does matter to every other partner or owner of a law firm that I ever interviewed for and ultimately got a position in. Mel, do you have a mentor in the legal field? You know, I don't. I do not have a mentor. I have a lot of don't do that. <laughs> so I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of colleagues, which uh, I will say to the young attorneys out there, make friends with other attorneys because they'll remember you. Make friends with your opposing counsel because they'll be a referral source. So I don't have mentors in the legal field. I have a lot of examples of what I wouldn't do. Um, and I have created uplift to be everything that I experience negatively. Would you mentor someone in the legal field? Um, well, I'm mentoring my team. <laughs> so yes, um, I definitely would. I, I want to create a team of attorneys that are fearless in the courtroom and who are amazing writers, amazing speakers, and who also put the client first. And a lot of uh, people out there, I think, don't realize when it still comes to the lawyer-client relationship, it's rampant, excuse me, that um, the client is still at a lower point than the attorney because attorneys still focus are hyper focused on winning and they want to win like a lot of my colleagues like they get the high from uh, besting opposing counsel they get the high from getting the nod from the judges and that's all well and good but I've always never gotten my endorphins from that I've never gotten a high from a win in court like that my highs come from uh like the client satisfaction and happiness manifested. So mentoring my team is like, I not only want to make you um, just amazing in your skill sets, but also to ensure that when I move on and it's like, oh, when I move on or when I pass, um, that that sort of feeling carries on because in my mind, yeah, like I can do so much with someone who has a great, who has that inside of them and I will spend the time getting your skill set up, which is very different than a lot of partners and owners out there. They don't really want to be hands-on with their associates and their interns because it's a lot of fucking work. It's a lot of work. Um, that's probably mentoring and um, teaching my team. I would say is like number one, the most stressful and most time consuming part of my job, but it's also the most rewarding because I look at Uplift as 
a means to an end, which is if I have the team, they will always be behind the client. What's a piece of advice that you would give to a law student who wants to get over that learning curve quicker than say a normal junior associate, what just an entry level associate? I would say doing exactly what is happening with you, which is probably also by accident. Um, if you are trying to get a one up, then I would say be an intern with the law firm that you intend to grow with and um, also pay attention to uh, just the, the practice and get as much outside information as you can in terms of, you know, don't wait on assignments like think about like go and research the context of which those assignments are being sent your way. For example, you know, a lot of times they, the interns or the new attorneys, they get very hyper-focused on the task, but they don't realize that that cog, that task is part of something greater. And if you understand the process, if you understand like, why the hell am I being tasked to do this? What does it matter? Then you are already getting a heads up in your learning curve. So that's what I would say suggest is that don't be just hyper focused on a task. Understand, understand why you're doing it and what does it matter. That's really helpful. <laughs> Good. <laughs> What's a subject that we learn in law school that you wished students knew more of? I would say um, the code of civil procedure. Now, this law firm, Uplift Law, is heavy litigation. Uh, so we employ, we're, you know, I'm very proud of it, right? I'm very proud of the fact that we tackle very um, intellectually challenging um, cases and that we play in a field where there's a lot of, um, you know, we different uh, legal theories. So it behooves anybody who's trying to break into business law and business litigation to know the code of civil procedure. When you are a 1L taking it, it sounds like just, it doesn't, it sounds like, you know, alien language. You don't even, you don't know what this is for, but I would say that there's a difference between okay litigators and amazing litigators. And that all hinges on knowing the rules of chess in the rules of chess in litigation is the code of civil procedure. Got it. I definitely did not pay as much attention in my own civ pro class as I should have. One, probably because of COVID, but you know, that, that's good advice. Yeah. And now I want to know if I can get a little more sensitive, a little more emotional. As an Asian American woman, there are a lot of stigmas that are pressed against us when we're trying to enter the legal field. Can you talk about some of your experiences as an Asian American woman in law? I can. And one being that nobody knew really how to classify me. Um, Philip, Filipinos in general look very different. I look very different. And so I never was classified as anything except non-Caucasian. So I can say that um, 
when I was in big law, I just was non-Caucasian. And being non-Caucasian and being a woman, uh, I was looked at as always as being soft, as being naive from the get-go because um, usually women, and I am truly speaking on my experience, so if it sounds like fact, it's not fact uh, worldwide, it's not fact you know, across the industry, it was fact when I was um, coming up and up. And so my appetite for climbing was insatiable. So the struggles I went through were, you know, you're, you're just, you're really naive. I don't, you know, um, you're probably not going to be that quick. You're probably not going to catch up or, or, um, you know, really understand all these legal intricacies. Uh, you don't look um, a certain way uh, because I was already in the courtroom and when you're in the courtroom, it's true, you know, the attorneys in the courtroom are very like sharp looking, they're very groomed, uh, they look like money. And so you can always tell a successful and seasoned attorney in the courtroom versus um, you know, we see those memes where like the the like attorney with the big pants and the fucked up suitcase, etc. Um, but so when I was going through it, I was going through it. I, I don't I didn't have any other way but to work harder and um, really make my voice known. Now, I. I'm sure that that sort of discrimination or that sort of bias is still um, around. And I can only say that, you know, uh, fight silently. And what I mean by that is, you know, like you're not going to change a single person's views of you being a woman, being a minority, not being like um, a certain level of attractiveness. So so fight silently in how awesome you write, how vigorously you advocate, how well you speak, how you can dance in a courtroom, no matter what opposing counsel throws at you or what the judge throws at you, because those are things that are, you know, as justice is blind, um, those are things that don't care about if you're a woman or if you're what purple or whatever. And now my final question, having worked in both big law, smaller law, and now owning your own law firm, what are your thoughts on practicing big law versus not big law? Um, I think that back when I was, because I've been doing that, I'm going to be doing this like a decade already. And I would say that you don't necessarily have to go to big law. I think it was a little bit more at that time, you either do that or you don't, you know, don't do anything at all. And so um, my advice is to go to any law firm, whether it's big law or medium or boutique, and, but the, the intent should be the same. The, the feeling should be the same is like, 
you know, you are going to be at the bottom, no matter which size of a firm you go to, but you should know, you should endeavor to know yourself, know why you even are starting to practice and put your all into it because regardless of the owner in big, medium or small, uh, they're going to want to see what you're made of and what you can muster. So the advice is um, know that you're going to work and know that they are going to see what sort of lawyer you ultimately will become. Thank you so much, Mel. I have a lot to think about it and learn really change the way I went into law school and change the way I'm going through law school now with how I should have studied more CivPro or coming into Uplift Law as your intern, really doe-eyed, not knowing anything and having you take me under your wing, not nicely, but in the way that I definitely needed in order to grow, in order to develop any type of skill that I would like to apply in the legal field. There's a lot of miscommunication that I learned in law school about what I should know, what I should be doing, how I should be networking and coming in here and just absorbing everything. It has taken what I initially thought I needed for law school and completely turned it on its face. And I will say that um, I appreciate that. And it makes me like um, pulls on my heartstrings that that is still the kind of information that's out there because it doesn't matter any, it, it never mattered. It doesn't matter to me either that where you came from or, or whatever, as I said, um, I care about like your life, like what, what is it that you're going to do? And the client as well. The always focused on the client and that will be your guiding light to success. And um, yeah. Thanks to Amy Lamb, Uplift Law's intern and certified law student for joining us today. And we hope you enjoyed this podcast. So tune into Lawyer Lifter podcast every Tuesday and listen to past podcasts at lawyerlifter.com or your favorite podcast apps.